Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, Luke O'Neill here, and welcome as ever to my Show Me the Science podcast, where I pick a topic and I tell you all about it. Now, this week, um, I've got to give a shout out. Two separate people email me asking me to cover this topic, and it's the science of allergy. Now, as I've always said, I'm very happy to cover things. If anybody wants to give me a shout, you can find my email very easily, you know. Please send in your requests. At the moment, I'd say one in five are, are things that you wonderful listeners are recommending. Now, sometimes I don't know enough about the topic. And even though my friends accuse me of spoofing, there's a bit of that, of course. Uh, I pick things I know something about, usually, or at least excite me and interest me, and I can sort of talk a bit about it. So sometimes if something is suggested and I don't know what it is, uh, I don't want to chance it. But this one, right up my street. If anybody dares question what I say now, I won't be happy because guess what? This is front and center in the immune business. Allergy is all about the immune response to chemicals or natural things in the environment. and It's overreaction to these things. And we're all familiar with allergies, aren't we? In fact, it's very common. Uh, around about 20% of people will have an allergy to something. And the kinds of things that you'll all have heard of is there'll be pollen in the air that gives you hay fever. That's a big one, very common, of course. A second one then will be certain foodstuffs, shellfish can trigger an allergic reaction. Peanuts, for some reason, again, I'll come back to why these things do it in a minute, actually. Stings from insects, that can do it. Certain medications can do it. So, for example, penicillin, an antibiotic, again, not that uncommon. Some people are allergic to that. Aspirin, that painkiller, again, for some reason, a subset of people are allergic to that. Animals, like cats, usually, actually, or dogs, people have a massive allergy to cats as well. So there's a whole range of triggers for this. Now, usually, it's pretty benign. With hay fever, you might sneeze a bit, or you might have a runny nose, you know. But the trouble is, it can get very severe and get really uncomfortable for people. And that's when, you know, doctors get involved, I guess, at the severe end. At its worst, it can be life-threatening. So it's a very serious part of immunology, actually, because some people can die of an allergic attack. And then down the severe end, you have things like asthma, that is an allergic disease, and a thing called atopic dermatitis, a nasty skin rash. And these are pretty nasty things, actually. And they all involve an allergic response, is the overall idea here. Now, what is it? Well, it's called hypersensitivity, is, is the technical term for this. You're hypersensitive to things in the environment, and someone else isn't. So, for example, you might go out walking on a nice afternoon and you begin having a terrible attack of sneezes. You've got hay fever and your friend who's walking beside you hasn't. So for some reason, you have an overreaction to pollen. And there's something in the pollen in the air then that's triggering your immune system. Or you eat a crustacean and suddenly you break out in a horrible rash in your skin. And again, someone else doesn't. So it's a mystery as to why some people have this and some don't. And of course, one of the big reasons is genetics. And there's no doubt this runs in families. So a good example here is identical twins, and they have the exact same genes, remember? They look identical, that's the name, identical. If one of them has an allergic reaction, there's a 70% chance that the other one will as well. And what that, that tells us is there's a big genetic component. Non-identical twins, will have a, if one has allergy, there's a 40% chance. Now that's a very interesting difference there because that tells us the genes are pretty important. Because as I say, the identical twins have genes. Now why is it only 70%? Because it's environmental as well. 
there's something about the environment that is making one of the twins get an allergic reaction, say. And that could be to do with hygiene. Back to that in a minute. It could also be to do with exposure to infections. So maybe one twin picks up an infection, the other one doesn't, and therefore one gets the allergic reaction and the other one doesn't, hence the 70% versus 40%. But the 70% is a high number. That means it's very genetic. And where are those genes? They're in the immune system. So it turns out you could be carrying in your body a set of genes that make you overreact to things. There's variants in those genes that maybe latch onto pollen. And remember, your immune system is very good at recognizing foreign things in our bodies. But for some reason, you're carrying a weapon that's going off on a hair trigger, if you like, and causing all the symptoms, whereas the other person senses the pollen and doesn't go off on a hair trigger and therefore doesn't develop the symptoms. Now, we all have a bit of it. I mean, this probably evolved anyway. So when you inhale pollen, you want to get rid of it from your body. So you get a slight runny nose, you know, and you get a slight sneezing attack, but you don't develop into hay fever. So all that's happening is that trait, that normal trait, is becoming much more enhanced, probably because you're unlucky enough to be carrying this set of weapons that are a bit more strong than in the other person. And all those reactions, by the way, the coughing and the sneezing and all that kind of thing, that's to expel the stuff from your body. The skin rash is a funny one. We don't fully understand why rashes happen. They don't seem to bring any particular benefits. So they're probably at the severe end. Of course, we only see them because you can see the skin. And that tells us the immune system has gone a bit wild. It might be going wild inside your body as well in response to something you've eaten, say. But the skin is the place to see that over immune response is the idea here. Now, we know an awful lot about what's going wrong in the immune system in these diseases these allergic type situations. And that's really good, obviously, because we can now hopefully treat them, you see. And so what seems to happen is this. And let's take the cat allergy as an example. So for some reason, you're allergic to cats. You inhale the cat dander. That's the fur coming off the back of a cat, the dander, right? You inhale that, and now your immune system latches onto it. Things called antigen-presenting cells. Awful mouthful, I know. But they are cell types in the immune system that can capture bits of the cat dander and show that bit to the immune system. The immune system kicks off. It begins to make immune chemicals. And two very important ones that are made, get ready, are IL-4 and IL-13. So they are made by the immune system in response to the cat dander and they drive production of a thing called IgE. Now IgE is an antibody and that's the thing then that latches on to cell types called mast cells and mast cells release histamine. Now, that's the sequence of events that's happening in response to an allergen. And by the way, the things that that are provoking this are called allergens. And in the case of the cat, they think it's proteins in the cat fur that's triggering the production of IL-4 and IL-13 that drive the IgE and the mast cells, they're called mast cells, they release histamine. What does histamine do? It latches on to cells in your nose and it makes you sneeze. And you want to sneeze this stuff out, don't you? It also increases production of mucus and that's why your nose runs. Now the mucus is there to trap the cat chemicals, you see. And now you cough them out or whatever, or sneeze them out. And it's it's like a net, I suppose, to capture them. That's why you make the mucus, you see. And the mucus comes out. The third thing that can happen, though, is your airways begin to close a bit. That is called bronchoconstriction. And that's happening to stop you inhaling even more, you know, to, to limit the amount of stuff you're taking into your body. Again, a natural process. All of these things are happening naturally. The trouble is, in a person who's allergic, they are in overdrive. You're making too much IL-4, too much IL-13, 
too much IgE and the mast cells are releasing far too much histamine. And it's not just histamine, there's a whole set of chemicals get made. Another very important set of chemicals are called leukotrienes. They get made as well by the mast cells and other cell types. And they're the ones that cause your lungs to constrict. So leukotrienes can be very dangerous. They call this anaphylaxis. And that's why people die of these reactions, by the way. They often can't breathe because of this massive overconstriction of the lungs. And when I did my PhD, in London, it was in a department that discovered leukotrienes. A woman called Priscilla Piper, never forget her. She was trying to figure out what was the stuff that was being made in response to allergens, and she was able to purify them, and they turned out to be these things called leukotrienes, the little fatty molecules, actually. And and she gets the credit, many labs, of course, but she was one lab that really characterized them and showed that they would cause this bronchoconstriction, this lungs all seizing up. So in other words, you're reacting to some chemical. In the case of cat fur, it's in, it's in the dander. But equally, there's also stuff in the cat fur that really turns on the immune system. There's other chemicals in there as well. These are often called adjuvants in the case of vaccines. And a friend of mine, Claire Bryant, in Cambridge, she was showed that a thing called FELD1 really triggers the immune system as well. So you're reacting, reacting in a way to two parts here. One is a protein that's in the cat dander called the antigen. And then secondly, a chemical called FELD1 that really ramps up the immune system. So you're getting a double punch here and now the immune system gets triggered. Now remember, as I said already, this can be a natural process. The trouble is it goes into overdrive and causes very severe allergy. And I've only given the cat dander as one example. Penicillin will trigger the same pathway. So will pollen, you know, as, as I said earlier. And things in shellfish as well will trigger these pathways. Now, how do we test for it? Well, people might think, oh, I'm allergic to something. You can do what's called a skin prick test, where the immunologist, uh, usually a clinical immunologist, a physician, will put onto your skin what you might be allergic to. If you get a rash, that means you're allergic to it, you know? And then you can try to avoid it. And that's very useful. Uh, you can also desensitize sometimes by giving people the thing they're overreacting to. That's called immunotherapy. You can also measure these things in blood. You can look for IgE in the blood of people to see if it's there. Now, the great thing is all these insights, all these mechanistic insights have given rise to treatments. Antihistamines, you've heard of those, I bet you. You can buy those over the counter in a pharmacy to limit the effects of hay fever because they're stopping the histamine as I mentioned earlier, latching on and causing the mucus and making you sneeze. So antihistamines work up to a point. There's also leukotriene blockers, which stop the leukotrienes from causing your lungs to seize up. That's very useful as well, and they're on the market. And there's also steroids. Now, we're getting, of course, as you move down through these different drugs, the disease is more severe because some of these drugs can have side effects and steroids can have side effects. But steroids are a great way to dampen down the immune response and they can dampen down IL-4 and IL-13 and they can stabilize mast cells. So people often take steroids, they inhale them or they take a steroid as a tablet and then very importantly in an emergency, adrenaline and you may have heard of the EpiPen. What adrenaline does is it keeps the airways open, it counteracts the seizing up of the lungs, you know, and it's very important. That's what adrenaline does anyway. Like, you know, when you're in a, in a fight, your body makes adrenaline, you inhale more oxygen because your lungs open a bit. It's a natural thing. And someone spotted that, you know, 80 years ago. And of course, adrenaline can now be given to relieve the pressure on the lungs and open them up. And that's a very important treatment. It saves people's lives, of course. EpiPen's extremely important for people with allergies. And then down the more severe end as well, asthma is one disease. 
very severe. So is atopic dermatitis. That's a really nasty, it's called, it's called eczema. You may have heard that children get that. Again, all these things are tied into that rash in the skin and the IL-4 and the IL-13. And a big breakthrough, a drug called dupilumab, which I actually advised on. A company called Regeneron made it years ago. I was a consultant for them and I helped them a little bit. That will block IL-4 and IL-13, those two mischievous parts of the immune system. And that's a real add-on for atopic dermatitis. Now again, only in these severe cases would you take these meds because they are going to suppress the immune system which can have untoward consequences. But dupilumab and drugs like it are making a difference to children with atopic dermatitis and adults and getting rid of this horrible rash. You know, this eczema is a nasty rash that can be really troublesome and the skin gets cracked, it can get infected. So if you block IL-4 and IL-13, both need to be blocked, it seems. They tried to block one at a time and it didn't work. Both punches need to be blocked, if you like. It's two fists thumping you and causing the allergy, you know. So the Pilumab is able to block IL-4. Only, only one example. There's loads of other examples out there as well. Great progress to see that. Now, lastly, time is against us as ever. I could talk for an hour. Uh, lastly, there's the hygiene hypothesis. The big question is allergies are going up. More and more people and children are getting allergies and ending up in their GPs with asthma, with eczema, with atopic dermatitis, or allergic to things in the environment. Why is that? We don't know, but one good piece of evidence is we're too clean. And it turns out that if you have a bit of dirt, especially when you're a baby, a little child, if you live on a farm, for instance, you see a lot lower incidence of allergies. So a little bit of dirt, now I'm talking about good dirt, not nasty dirt, uh, regular dirt that you might pick up on a farm, that dirt is training your immune system not to go out of control. And if you don't get exposed to dirt as a child, the immune system then starts misbehaving because it hasn't been educated. And now it overreacts to these things that it wouldn't normally overreact to if it had been taught properly, if you get the idea. And this is called the hygiene hypothesis. Loads of evidence to support it. Another good one is if you have a tapeworm, now there's a thing, right? Many people in Africa are carrying parasitic worms and they live with them. They rarely get allergies because the immune system is recognizing the tapeworm and then is able to sort of behave itself if a nasty thing comes into the body. If you like, the parasite is training the immune system not to overreact to things. And of course, in ancient times, we were all carrying these parasites because that was the natural order of things, you know? And then, of course, in the 20th century, we kill the parasites, don't we? And we live in an environment that's far too clean. So one reason why these are going up then is likely to be this hygiene hypothesis, they call it, where we're too clean and the and the immune system can't, can't be educated. And maybe in the case of the two twins, remember I said there was a 70% chance, maybe the one that doesn't get the allergy was it slightly dirtier than the other one for some reason, licking things or whatever it might be. <laughs> maybe that's one reason why, you know, one twin didn't get the allergy the other one did. It's not just genetics then. There's something in the environment that's combining with the genetics to predispose people to these allergic reactions. But the good news overall is all this great immunology revealing IL-4, IL-13, IgE and so on and many other component parts by the way uh, are giving rise to new therapies for severe allergy and I predict there'll be even better therapies down the line. Dupilumab is expensive, it's an injectable, it's not ideal, you know, it's, it's useful for severe disease. We'd like to get better drugs to prevent severe allergy and stop people from dying first of all but also helping them because these are nasty diseases to carry with you. So the future of this I think is going to be even brighter as we understand more and more about the immune components that go wrong in allergy and there you have it the science of allergy and thanks very much for suggesting it and as i say i'm always happy to uh, to try to cover things that people suggest and of course my podcast is available for download every thursday and it's a news talk production